improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr Barton Harvey. I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. Today on Under the Influence I'm joined by Dr Tony Croke. Tony is a practicing chiropractor here in Gisborne just outside of Melbourne in Australia. He's got a really amazing practice, got a phenomenal sort of team culture and also very much a service and connection culture. Many of the values that I hope we're kind of reflecting in the uh, in, under the influence and the, the people that we sort of focus on and the approaches that I'm advocating. So really interesting result of that was that Tony was recently asked to be the team chiropractor for one of the premier Australian rules football clubs here in Australia, the Essendon Football Club. And so I thought it was interesting for a bunch of reasons. First of all, in terms of making or building cultural authority for chiropractic, elite sports is very much uh, the focus and gives sort of credibility or authority to approaches. So elite athletes are sort of the cultural authority when it comes to performance and prevention and to some degree even in terms of injury treatment or pain. So in terms of that continuum that we've discussed a lot on under the influence of helping people move from a pain level of health awareness to a prevention to a performance, being involved in elite sports in that sort of way is in many ways a way of building both awareness and then cultural authority around that perspective. So really phenomenal for us as a profession. I also think it's really interesting that it wasn't something that Tony pursued. While Tony is really passionately interested in AFL, he's not really positioned himself as a I do the ankle taping and rub down type sports chiropractor. He's very much based his practice and his uh, education around that prevention and performance focused approach to care um, and so it was on that basis that he was approached so I think that element of it's super interesting as well so lots and lots for all of us to learn both in terms of uh, being relevant in an elite sports environment but also the value of just providing phenomenal care for people in a way that's uh, consistent with the chiropractic paradigm so we can sort of stick to what's unique about chiropractic and in that way and if we focus on excellence move into these environments rather than necessarily having to pretend that we're a different version of a physiotherapist. So a couple of little housekeeping things before we get into the episode. Um, I am going to be speaking at the DG um, 2.0 that is uh, in Melbourne on the 30th of July. I think there's something to be said about getting together with other chiropractors, that getting content online, whether it's online programs or even podcasts and other resources is phenomenal, but there's something completely different in terms of that interaction and immersion that you get with in-person events. So the speaking lineup I think is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to learning from a lot of the other speakers and I'm looking forward to presenting as well. So the link will be in the show notes. Hope if you are in Australia to see you there on 30th of July. I am in the process of putting together the upgrade, the update to the retention recipe. Retention recipe is the approaches that are really endorsed by the uh, influence literature as to how we can set things up in the first 12 visits to help people get through that pain prevention and even into a performance level of health awareness using engagement-oriented communication approaches. And um, I released the original retention recipe around about three years ago. I've made a bunch of changes to it, a bunch of upgrades to it, and I'm going to be releasing it as an online program soon. And those of you who have bought the original retention recipe 
I will be doing a special price for you if you want to upgrade. Um, those of you who have been thinking about it, then definitely this is the one to get on. Uh, I also think there's a lot of value in getting together and actually doing the deep practice of practicing and role playing skills. So I will also be looking at doing in-person uh, seminars where you can get together and practice individual skills of it and get feedback and really master your communication in that initial phase of care. Um, and so I'll have further details on that coming soon. Uh, if you're interested in that, maybe shoot me a message and I will let you be the first to know. So with all of that in place, please welcome to Under the Influence, Dr. Tony Croak. G'day, Tony. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Really pleased to be here, Martin. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. I know you've had a super busy day, so I really appreciate you uh, taking some extra time to share your wisdom with the Under the Influence audience. And um, in particular, you've had some exciting stuff happening that I'm looking forward to deconstructing with you. Yeah, great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped to be on. I'm looking forward Excellent. to it. Excellent. So for somebody who has as many plates spinning as you, probably a very important question. What sort of coffee are you under the influence of these days? Yes, at the moment, I'm uh, working my way through some Code Black Coffee ex-wife blend it's called which is uh <laughs> yes do you have to hide it from tiff or is <laughs> That's it right. i actually said full disclosure this this bag is called the ex-wife blend um just don't read anything into it so uh, yeah. uh but it's like an ode to those big um italian dark roasts yeah, yeah so yeah. it's wow is it bread. robusta or arabica like if arabica. it's strong. well okay yeah. yep yeah, but um, but uh, just like the way they roast it, they just give the extra turn or two in the machine. So, got it. Yeah, yeah. So, code black for people outside Melbourne coffee culture are uh, sort of a newer part of the, but a big player in the the coffee scene in Melbourne. They're one of the offshoots of previously working with. I can't remember whether they're ex. Padre or X uh, Seven Seeds slash Saint Ali, but I know they're mm. divided off there somewhere. But part of that sort of uh, group of people who are really committed to creating phenomenal coffee, and they've got a bunch of cafes around the place, and also provide coffee to a lot of independent cafes. So very nice. I like me some cold black, some mm -hmm. code black. Um, and so preparation-wise, are you espressoing these days, or are you? on the AeroPress or how are you going about that? At the moment, uh, it's that's an espresso. I've got a, um, a, a cheap, happy um, Breville Barista Express yep. machine at the moment that uh, that has served me very well. So uh, nice. one day I'll grow up and get a big Italian thing like you've got. But uh, <laughs> for now... I've, I've heard good job. things. I've heard yeah, it's good, good things. Excellent. All right. So now that we're all caffeinated, powered up and ready to go, what's the influence that you are trying to have? Um, I think uh, there are there is a micro and a macro to that. So on a micro scale, I really enjoy that process of bringing people along on a health journey from that um, pain avoidance um crisis care model towards a more holistic and, and proactive um, approach to their health. And, um, and that happens, you know, visit by visit um, by the side of one table and then by the side of the next. And I've loved doing that for pushing 30 years now. And then on a macro scale, um, Somewhat parallel to that is is the influence that I'm hoping to have um, in the broader community around getting people to have that same step from reactivity and um, uh, crisis management to a more proactive approach to their healthcare um, and to show them that chiropractic can fit very nicely in there. Cool. And so I know you've extended that outside of your practice now that you're, uh, uh, you've recently been 
appointed, I think is the right term, as mm. the chiropractor for the Essendon Football Club, which is one of the sort of leading clubs in the Australian Football League, which in, in Melbourne is pretty much as big as it gets. There's, uh, you know, Australia is largely a secular country. We don't really have a whole lot of, uh, we don't have perhaps the same focus on religion that some other countries have, but in Melbourne, I sort of pretty much think football is a religion and, um, you know, getting to be, you're essentially one of the high priests once you're appointed there, aren't you? That's <laughs> uh, funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, my, I'm a third generation Melbourne football club supporter and uh, if my grandfather could see me now, he'd be uh, twisting and turning in his grave. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yes, I've just, just um, three, four weeks ago, I started working with Essendon and uh it's a ball. It's real fun. It's um, it's an opportunity because the club has no culture of having had chiropractic as part of their their program, and some some AFL clubs have. Um, uh, your town Adelaide uh, is one of those where the Crows have had a, a long history of of um, involvement with chiropractic, and it's played a really important role in their in their uh, player wellbeing program. Um, and one of those ex-players is now the coach at Essendon. So we're pretty keen, pretty keen to replicate that experience at his club now. So, um, so yeah, the, the job's probably two thirds chiropractor and one third UN diplomat at the moment, as we kind of <laughs> work our way through just yeah, helping to influence and, and, um, and expand the vision of what chiropractors can do for the guys that are already taking care of the players. And, yeah. and for the players themselves, many of them have had no experience of chiropractic. Um, so so it's, it's, uh, it's a really neat leverage opportunity. I think uh, probably 30 odd years ago, physiotherapists um, really um, got involved in that sports physiotherapy thing and you'd see um, at all the elite sporting events um, a physiotherapist on hand and it was really good PR for the for their profession and um, and and I, you know I think there's an opportunity for the same sort of thing to happen with with chiropractic and um, it's really interesting for me because um, if I was doing this role at a at a local level, like with with the Gisborne Football Club, for example, in the town that I live, um, I'd be expected to strap ankles and shoulders and yeah. do rehab and all that sort of stuff, which is not my area of skill. You know, I, I don't profess to be um, anything like a um, sports injuries expert, but in in this role. Um, at Essendon, all of that's being done by uh, people who are very good at, you know, I was working down at the club today and the physiotherapist working at the table next to me has a PhD in hamstring and calf injuries and rehabilitation. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I could do all the weekend sports chiropractic seminars that exist and I'm not going to have yeah. this depth of, of knowledge. So, um, but nor will he have you know, the set of skills that I bring. So um, it's a really sweet marriage, I think. And and as we work, it's becoming um, really clear for the players where chiropractic fits in terms of their performance and and um, resilience. And yeah. and the rest of the medical staff are kind of getting their head around that too and, and starting to kind of get on board, which is great. Yeah. No, it sounds, I think there's so many different layers to it. I mean, it's enjoyable to, no doubt, to be working in a different environment with people who, you know, really epitomise that performance level of health awareness. So there is kind of potentially a natural tie-in with that performance perspective of chiropractic. And I also think if we, again, talk in that sort of macro sense that, there has been a very strong dynamic that the you create cultural authority by 
being connected to elite sport, particularly in, in Australia with AFL, that's a very strong part of it that being the team physio for X or Y is mm. almost an immediate endorsement. But it's interesting that it's an endorsement in terms of skills in injury management, whereas I think there's a real scope there to for chiropractic to, to both sort of uh, dovetail into a system and, and sit alongside physiotherapy, particularly if we do focus more on I'm here for a, uh, as a performance uh, specialist rather than as a sports injury specialist. I think there's a real potential both from a, uh, the, the message resonates with me, but I also think it, uh, it's something that kind of matches in, at least from my outside perspective, not being in a, an elite football club. But yeah, interesting politics connected there. Yeah, it's, and it, I think really it's probably primarily around reassurance that that's, yeah, that the Venn diagram of what I do and what the physiotherapists or my therapists or whoever else, there's not a lot of overlap, you know. Yeah. And and um, and I think it works well that way because if you've got uh, you know two or more professionals who are all potentially doing the same thing, yeah, I don't know that that's particularly helpful. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I I don't profess to do anything that the podiatrist who works at the club does. Um, yeah. and, I, and, and I certainly don't feel any sense of um, impingement because they're there or, you know. Um, yeah. So um, I think primarily at this early stage, and I'm, I'm only you know, less than a month into the, to the um, process, but um, it's, it's a lot about... Um, just explaining where, where I fit, um, complementary and and uh, and supporting what what everyone else is doing already with these guys. So, yeah. um, and so then in terms of you know the the reception of the players to having access to chiropractic care, how's that been? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, every, I've probably checked fifteen or sixteen of them now, and every one of them is really grateful. Um, uh, and um, and when we had that conversation around you know where I see chiropractic fitting into their their program, they get it immediately. Um, mm. And um, you know there's so much uh, emphasis with their strength and conditioning on you know glute and hamstring activation and um, grip strength and um, balance and so when I'm doing tests that that assess those things and can demonstrate, firstly, that things are asymmetrically dysfunctional, um, and then um, you know, adjust the subluxation and retest and go bang, there's a difference. Can you feel that? Absolutely, I can feel that. That's freaking amazing. Um, and because they've had it drilled into them, how important those things are. It, it really is, um, it, it gets a lot of appreciation. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, and, and for, I was, I was uh, doing a, a pre and post check of just um, thumb opposition strength um, yeah. with one of the key position players. He's, he's uh, super competitive, um, got a real reputation as a kind of tough player. And so when, a skinny 50, whatever I am, 53-year-old man comes along and goes, oh, weak hand. He's like, whoa, don't love that. Um, and so I adjusted his neck. And you know how if, if you've ever had that test done, yeah. you can immediately feel, even as you bring your finger and thumb together, that it's going to be stronger. Yeah. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, good luck this time. And uh, <laughs> so he's just, yeah, he, he really sees that kind of connection between um, an adjustment and better performance and and uh, better results. So, yeah, yeah exciting. It's, it's fun from that perspective of of, um, of working with guys who've all got a very clear vision of what they want to achieve and helping them do it. That's so cool. Um, so I know it's early days, but that seems amazing. Like it's pretty much thirty percent of the playing list are already uh, being checked in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, the the um, 
the coach of Essendon, uh, Ben Rutten, played at Adelaide and had that experience um, of chiropractic here through his whole career. Um, and his experience was that um, he, uh, well, I spoke to his, uh, an old junior mate of mine, Margie Barry, and uh, she was telling me that uh, her car would pull up in the, in the car park at, um, at Adelaide Footy Club and uh, someone had a job to blow a whistle to let, know, let Ben know that she'd arrived so he could be first on the table. <laughs> and, uh, and so he would get checked every week and sometimes twice a week all through his 200-plus game career and never had a soft tissue injury and always felt like his performance was pretty solid um, and was certainly kind of revered as a, as a pretty hard yeah. nut. Strong defender. Well, he's also he's playing as a ruckman, which is for people who aren't familiar with AFL football, it's pretty physically demanding. Like multiple times a, a match, you're running full on, jumping into another player, clashing mm. bodies, clashing knees, and then landing in whatever way you're landing. You're typically one of the bigger players on the ground, plus your role is to roam around the ground and have, uh, you know, contests in the air and, you know, provide, use your height as a sort of a weapon. So it's physically mm. one of the more demanding positions in terms of you've got to cover a lot of ground, be a big person and have people running into you a lot of the time. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, pretty miraculous to have that sort of injury record. Yeah, so his, his experience was that. And um, he, when he approached me about, he was the one who kind of spoke to me about uh, coming to work at the club. And and so we sat and had a bit of a chat about it. And he said, um, he said, it's great to be a club that can rebuild had injuries better than anybody else. That's great. What I want to be, I want to build a club that builds um, young men into resilient athletes, athletes and great footballers. And I think chiropractic has got a central role to play in that. And... <laughs> Would you be interested? And I'm like, let me think for a microsecond. Um, it was, you know, I was talking to my my son Oliver, who's also a chiropractor, and I said, what would be the ideal gig if you were going to work at a at a um, in an environment like this? And he, he said, well, I just want to go in and adjust them, show them that there have been, been an improvement in performance, and leave all the other stuff to everybody else. I said, well, that's that's the role, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. like that sounds awesome. So, um, yeah. So Ben's. Uh, Ben's take on it uh, comes really from from that really deep experiential understanding of of chiropractic as as, um, as a foundational um, support to all the other stuff that's obviously important um, uh, and um, you know like I said when you're working next to a guy who's got a PhD in hamstring and calf injuries then it's nice to know that if one happens yeah. that uh Brady probably has a bit of an idea about what to do about it, you know. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's good. Yeah, so, so so the support from the from him particularly, and increasingly from the high performance department is is yeah, means players are right on board. Awesome. So now, how did this? So I know it's because of this sort of revered place in our culture. These sort of positions are very, very sought after. Um, but my understanding is that you didn't really chase it. it. It was brought to you because of your sort of reputation in your community and those sort of things rather than you sort of chasing it down. Is that sort of accurate? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, ben Rutten, the Essendon coach, lives uh, not far from us. And... Um, and as I said, I, I went to uni with with Margie, his old chiropractor back in Adelaide, um, and so that combination of of connections and and his awareness of of the practice, yeah, yeah, um, was what kind of made him approach me. Yeah, um, yeah so so, so it's an interesting thing about how that that micro stuff that I was talking about at the start, yeah. really can have a big impact, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what I was looking to segue into is one of the things I've always admired about you and I'd really like to share with the audience is just that, you know, 30 years in, you are unwavering in your focus on, you know, that sort of presence and connection with people and then following up with 
delivering and accountability to really high standards of clinical care. So I was just, um, you know, kind of what's, what's your sort of thoughts there? How do you approach it? How, anything that you feel like has kept you on course with that in that regard? Yeah, I think um, whenever you do the same thing over and over again, um, it's easy for it to get um, rote, you know, yeah. and and um, as much as we might try to find the new thing or the you know little tweak to what we go about doing it, fundamentally, check a spine, adjust it, look for a positive change, do that to the next person, and the next person, and the next person. How many times a week? And um, so I think uh, there are a few things that I have done over the years that have helped to keep that fresh. One is um, uh, just always trying to do it better. Um, and uh, I think it's easy to have 30 years experience as a chiropractor that's one year copied and pasted 29 yeah. times. Um, and so I've tried to avoid that where I can. Um, and um, one of the things that helps to keep keep it fresh for me is we have a pretty strong culture in our practice of of three sixty degree feedback. So everyone um, everyone is uh, encouraged and empowered to um, notice everyone else's performance and um, give. Um, feedback about where they see that meeting the agreed standards of behaviour and where they see it not meeting those yeah. standards. Um, and so there's a framework so you, around. So could on. you give an, an example of like perhaps even feedback that's been given to you or something recent that's been given to another staff member to just give an example of how that might work? Yeah. So um in our practice, we have an initial consultation, a report of findings, we start a program of care, and then we reassess regularly. And much like everyone else's, probably everyone else in the audience probably does something similar. Um, and so at a recent uh, team training, team meeting we were doing, um, our front desk staff said, we've noticed that the review visits have become a little bit sloppy. It doesn't feel like you put much attention to them. There's not a there's not a, a pause to emphasise the positive changes or to check in with people about what those positive changes are meaning in their life. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a missed opportunity for you to um, to build a deeper connection with people. Uh, we think you can do better. Yeah. And um, so that was a week ago. And. Yeah. And it's been interesting, some of the conversations that I've had since then, where I've often said, Martin's great, you know, that that uh, patellar reflex that wasn't so great uh, when we first checked, it's come back, on, come back online, the pressure's off that nerve, da da da, da. Isn't, that's fantastic. Um, I think we can do X, Y, Z with your schedule and let's go from there. Uh, now, I'm consciously saying so, what I'm seeing is that patellar reflex is better. What that tells me is the pressure is off that nerve um, to an extent that we're getting that, that reflex loop working better. But tell me about you. What have you noticed? And yep. how's that made a difference in your life? And uh, yeah, some of the, uh, of the, the responses around changes in mood or sleep or yeah. organ, organ function or could it possibly be that that means my bowel works better? Why would that be? Um, some of those those conversations, just by making it three to four seconds of space, um, yeah. you get you get a little um, bit more feedback from people, and it helps them to put a shape and a and a handle on their experience, because sometimes I think as practitioners we can forget that um, their chiropractic experience isn't the centre of their world. Yeah. Like it is, like it is for us, yeah. and so um, yeah, I'm not sure how many of the listeners have had the experience of of uh, you know making an adjustment and seeing a great change in range of motion or muscle strength or whatever, and go, "Wow, isn't that great?" And they go, oh, "I wasn't really paying attention because 
I was thinking about something else. And yeah. you go, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 I'm not I'm not the pivot around which your world spins. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So well, there is also, I think there's that thing that I'll often talk about in a communication context that we interpret what happens to us, we give it meaning based on our existing models of the world. And so when it comes to health, as a chiropractor, we have a paradigm of the body self-healing, self-regulating, blah, 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 nervous system, the primacy of that, and that an adjustment is about allowing a reconnection of your brain and your body and your body and your brain, and that's going to have profound implications on every plane. And so there's no change that can't be connected to that adjustment. So you get adjusted and, you know, you'll say, oh, wow, you know, can see better. You know, you're, you're attuned to it because you've got a paradigm that's looking for it. Mm. Whereas I think we've got to empathise that most people that we're taking care of come have been immersed in a culture that essentially creates a structure where you assume that health is to do with germs and genes and luck. And mm. so if you, the next day after you've seen a chiropractor, have more energy, have slept better, you assume it's luck. You're not, connect, you're not looking, you don't have a paradigm that looks for a connection there. Mm. And so I think we've got to, as you're saying, just we've got that curse of knowledge of our paradigm, have the empathy that there's a different tune in people's heads and you're slow, what you're talking about there where you're slowing down and teasing out or getting them to pause to observe for those changes can potentially create the experience that creates the connection that creates that paradigm shift for them to start to see, oh, that is a brain body, body brain connection thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, when you're talking about, you know, a, a 21, 22 year old um, girl working at the front desk in our practice who, who looks at her boss and goes, you know what? It was a bit shit. Yeah. Um, it's brave, you know, yeah. and and it's, um, you know, it, as much as we might say, oh, we welcome it, like, still brave. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so we really try to celebrate when those things happen, even when it feels like you've been kind of stabbed in the heart because yeah. you thought you were doing a good yeah. job, you know. Yeah, you um, yeah. yeah it's so, interesting to reflect on that. I mean, we just... We were recently talking about our book club book, The Art of Insubordination, and yes. I know there was a whole section in there about the importance to make that sort of transformational change that you're talking about in an organisation of celebrating when people are bringing uncomfortable truths to, to the front, that that does require a courage and the easiest thing for people to do is to not do that and that mm. we have to you know be very much celebrating that to to show that it's not only an okay thing, it's actually a phenomenally helpful thing for people to do that. So, mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, back in the kind of um, sporting context, there's, there's an organisation in Australia called Leading Teams and they've worked a lot with, with um, probably just about every AFL club um, yeah. in, in developing cultural change and going from that kind of 1980s blokey yeah. shut up and get the job done mentality to, um, you know, having a, a broader kind of context for um, football players as people in a, you know, in a broader social construct and, and clubs as, as a, a culture that needs to embrace um, that feedback process and, and using the leverage of everyone's perspective to, to get a better result yeah. overall. And um one of my favourite kind of anecdotes from the from Ray McLean, who who started leading teams, is that they were having a meeting at their business about IT stuff, and so they had some people coming in to talk to them about computer, blah blah. And Ray's probably in his sixties, doesn't really care about computers, um, and so he was sitting in the meeting zoning out, and and then halfway through said, I actually think there's probably some other stuff that I could go do. So I'm going to go and do that. Um, and I'll leave you guys to sort this stuff out. And the meeting went on, finished. And um, a young guy who had just started working at leading teams two or three weeks previous pulled Ray aside afterwards. And he said, 
I just want to have a chat with you about that meeting. And he goes, oh, was there something I needed to know? He said, no, I just felt like um, I, was, I was disappointed in, in the way that you participated in it. And he said, oh, tell me a bit more about that. He said, well, those people had come from some distance away. They were expecting to be talking with you. And basically, we ignored them through the meeting and then, and then left halfway through. And um, I think it's a bit disrespectful, and I reckon you could do better. And, <laughs> and Ray, Ray says in the interview, he said, it's one of the proudest moments of my whole career that yeah. within a couple of weeks, we could have someone adopt the culture so strongly you could come and talk to the boss while he's still on probation and tell him off. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, great. So, and so that if we loop back around that, this mm. is a process that you've employed in your practice to essentially it's a, a tool to upgrade the, to have this ongoing upgrade. And also, a, I guess, an acknowledgement that we do have that curse of knowledge that we get lost in our own little world of what's happening and what's important and what we're focusing on. And then in many ways, people with a different perspective in the scenario, we're talking about a CA will often have a perspective that's closer to the experience of the patient or practice member than you're going to have. And so not only is it, it's, a, it's almost an essential thing to work against that curse of knowledge and keep, keep things real to have people willing, have a culture that, that celebrates it and creates an environment where that sort of feedback can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, um, it's been one of the, the best things we've kind of worked on over the last uh, I don't know, 10 plus years has been that, that um, trying to um, disentangle myself from my, from my worldview um, yeah. so, that, so that I can, I can monitor my performance from the perspective of the people that I'm doing it for. Yeah. Um, yeah there's a real art to it, isn't there? That sort of oh. thing of, advocating for a perspective but at the same time keeping yourself aware that there are a lot that everybody else has their own perspective on what's going on and mm. uh, we've got to to be able to actually influence people it's more important that we understand the tune in their head and what this mm -hmm. might mean to them than it is singing our tune more loudly yeah and it's it's really interesting i you know as soon as i look on social media what different um practices are doing to to promote themselves and and um i don't have much to do with our social media my wife tiff does does pretty much all of it um but uh sometimes you see stuff and i go oh i really like that it's great um because i'm a chiropractor and it says yeah. how awesome chiropractic is yeah. and and it really it ticks all my boxes but yeah. you look at the engagement that that post might have um, and you know it's pretty popular. And then you look and see who liked that. Oh, it's a bunch of chiropractors. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so I, I, I use that example to kind of make the point that often um, we communicate in a way that we would like, um, yeah. and we can forget that um, that when we communicate in a way that people would like, um, that's often you know. A whole lot more effective, and and certainly the the stats in our practice with our social media are that we can't find um, another, um, particularly Facebook, because we've got a bit more of a history on Facebook than Instagram, but we can't find another a Facebook page for a, any organisation that has the level of engagement that ours has. So, as I said before, I'm a Melbourne Football Club supporter, and Melbourne won the the uh, AFL Premiership last year and their percentage of engagement um, was about a third of, of our practices. Wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously the, their numbers are bigger, but yeah. um, but in terms of people actually engaging with with our mm. communication, um, uh, it's, it's quite outstanding. And that happens because I have not much to do with it. If it was up to me... <laughs> It'd be all, Cabrick's yeah. awesome, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. and and yeah. I tried to tone that down, and I would never quite get it right. But um, it, it really helps to have a wife who's not a chiropractor who speaks human, yeah. and um, and so 
you know, she says, uh, faces and feelings, faces and feelings, you know. Yeah, um, it, it does help that she's probably one of the most empathetic people in the world. That uh, Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, yeah her <laughs> superpower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So coming back across the journey, who or what would you say are your, have been your biggest chiropractic influences? Mm. Um, in the early days of practice, or even before that as a student, um, it was dynamic growth. The ASRF conferences yeah. used to happen uh, in Melbourne or in uh, in Australia, um, and so some of the old time chiropractors, um, uh, Jim Maxwell and um, Alex Jeffers, and you know, I, I, I still um, smile every time I think about a, a presentation that Alex Jeffers gave. It was called "Absolutely Chiropractic." Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it would have been I don't know late 80s, early, yeah, late 80s yeah. sometime. I reckon it was 80, um, 88 or 89, somewhere yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he, the price he was, um, whenever someone says, um, can chiropractic help, blah, blah, he said, absolutely. Yeah. And um, and it just, yeah, that's always stuck with me. Um, so there was those guys in the early days. Um, as... Um, as I got into practice, um, Charlie Ward and Guy Rickman and Jim Sigafus and, and Reggie Gold helped me to really deepen my, um, especially Reggie, and just deepen my reverence for the simplicity and beauty of what chiropractic delivers. Um, and then along the, along the way, I, I learned about how to do that um, with more efficiency and volume from um, guys like Steve Franson um, and with more heart from Russ Rosen and um, and I would say with, with more uh, wisdom and logic and um, clarity from from you, Martin. Actually, like okay. I think that well, thank you. That um, uh, that process of breaking things down that you do so beautifully, um, and and then figuring out where you are in a, in the context of a communication is is um, really masterful, and uh, and that's had a big influence. Um, uh, our mutual friend Andrew Cameron kind of probably started me on the on the uh, the path of um, introspection and and uh, self-assessment that we've been on for the last 10 plus years and I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the pod sometime soon as well yeah no I spoke to him last week I think his episode's coming out this week as we speak yeah so. great fantastic yeah all right well if you haven't listened to that one go back and have a listen yeah. um uh so yeah I, I'm lucky in that that uh, a lot of my dear friends are also um, yeah. really strong influences on on me as a person and as a chiropractor. Yeah, absolutely. So just if we go back even earlier than those influences, um, what what influenced you to be a chiropractor? Yeah, um, in year 10, I was going to be a music teacher and um, I used to play guitar, uh, played lead guitar in the school band and... Uh, um, and um, so I did. I did uh, all this preparation for my my week or two weeks of work experience, whatever it was, where I learned all these tunes for the grade four kids, and got to take the music class. And the kids did not give a shit; were not interested at all. And I went, um, "Bugger this! I've got other things that would probably be better to spend my time on than teaching music to kids who don't want to hear it." So. So I wasn't going to become a music teacher after all, that I would instead be a professional musician. And, uh, and so um, around that time, there's sort of 985, 986, um, there was a, a, an album called Whispering Jack that was released by John Farnham. Yep. And for the Australians, you'll know it, but uh, for the internationals, you'll have to have a, have a Google. But um, uh, there was a guitarist called Brett Garsad. Uh, who was probably about three years older than me. He would have been 20, 
21, 20 or 21, and he played on that album and just uh, a really masterful uh, lead guitarist. And so I would sit in my room and I'd, I'd play along to Brett Garcett's solos and try to replicate them. And, and uh, I had a blinding flash of the obvious one day and realised that I was actually just a bit shit and was never going to be um, an international session museo like uh, Brett Garcett and probably should get a proper job. And somewhere around that same time, my French teacher um, said, what are you going to do? And I said, I, said, I don't know, mate, you know, maybe something in health. She said, I reckon you'd be a good chiropractor. I've got a great chiropractor. Um, and so I went and uh, uh, spent the day with him. Uh, his name is Bruce Ellis. He actually, the way it's all wow. worked out, yeah, yep. um, practices in the town that I have practiced in for 30 odd years. And yep. uh, so today, following Bruce. And so, Bruce, we- just a back, bit of background for people who aren't especially from Melbourne, is a really long serving chiropractor in Victoria, lovely guy who has served the profession in a bunch of different capacities and was the president of the, what was at the time, probably the CAA and then became the ACA for a number of years. Just a, yeah, really solid, nice person. Really lovely. So, uh, yeah, he seemed like a really nice guy and everyone was having a good time getting their chiropractic care and I thought, yeah, I could maybe do this. So, um, studied hard, got into RMIT, uh, got through first year, um, got distracted by a, a weird and crazy girlfriend in second year and decided that I would leave and and uh, pursue other things, mainly her. Um, and uh, Brian Kelly came to me and he said, I, I hear you leaving, what are you doing? And um, Brian and I were in the same class. Uh, so he went on to be New Zealand president and Life West president and and at this stage, um, he was just my mate, Brian. And I said, oh, I'm going to go and become a stockbroker, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so at the end of your life, you'll have um, uh, a life that's full of numbers. He said, at the end of my life, I'm going to have a life that's full of faces and people. He said, what do you really want? And I went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh that's so, such a Brian Kelly thing to say, isn't it? Damn it is. with your long-term <laughs> vision and stuff. So, um, so I ran back to uh, to the office at the School of Chiropractic at RMIT and said to Joan, the lovely lady who worked at the front desk, you know that letter that I gave you um, resigning from the course a couple of days ago? And she pulled it out of a drawer that she'd been keeping it in where she'd not given it to anybody. She goes, oh, this one that I wasn't going to give to anyone. I said, yeah, it'd be great. Can I have that back? She said, yeah. And so, um, so um, probably that was where I really decided to become a chiropractor. I think I just kind of stumble tripped along for most of the time until then. But that was kind of when I when I really committed. And uh, yeah, so so good old Bryza was a uh, a big influence on me back yeah. in nineteen eighty eight. Definitely, absolutely. And so then outside of that, any other life influences, any other people who you feel have been influential in the path that your life has taken or the things that you kind of value or focus on? Uh, my wife is a big one there. Like you said, she's, um, she's um, a wonder woman when it comes to empathy and uh, wisdom in all things relational. She's... Um, just last year, finished a master's degree in applied positive psychology at University of Melbourne, and and um, and she completed the last three months of that um, after the death of our son. So, um, mm-hmm. for for her to finish that degree was um, incredible. For her to finish it with um, high distinctions in every subject for the whole two years was, yeah mind-boggling um and it's a reflection of who she is as as a person in terms of um her strength of um purpose and um and so she's been a big influence on me in in learning to become someone who listens more than they talk um i reckon the first half of my career was was all about um, some version of, of what I've heard you describe as being a chiropractic asshole. Um, 
uh, and so the first sort of five years was probably like that, and then and then it kind of modulated a little bit over time, but um, but uh, she's been a really influence on me in in learning how to, um, as I like to say, speak human, so that um, uh, yeah. yeah, so that um, people don't get. Uh, lost in me speaking chiropractic, which doesn't always work so well. Yeah. yeah. No, she's she's a uh, genius in so many ways, isn't she? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, we've covered some really interesting ground there. Thank you. It's been uh, quite a journey. I think uh, I love your uh, commitment to always upgrading, up leveling up in all the things that you do and making that a very sort of qualitative upgrade in terms of how is this serving people and serving that sort of connection that is at the core of the human experience. So I mm. think that's something that I admire incredibly and I'm really glad that the Under the Influence audience have got to learn from you and also to see that that is the path to some of the other stuff that's pretty cool to have as in you know a phenomenal practice and a, a busy practice and then also those sort of uh, cultural uh, marks of authenticity of being connected to elite sport and those sort of things. So uh, I love that it comes from just that core of how can I help other people more is especially gratifying to see. So thanks, mate. Uh, Really appreciate you spending your time and and, uh, sharing your wisdom. Thanks a lot. I'm... uh... Looking forward to seeing myself on the podcast. I'm uh, listening to everybody else and uh, it'll be fun to listen to this back. (laughs) Excellent. Catch you soon, mate. Cheers. If you enjoyed today's episode, then you will love the Mastering Daily Interactions online workshop. It's a three-part online workshop that will show you an exact framework that you can use on every visit to make sure that your patients or clients are getting that drip, drip, drip feed of information that will help them create a greater connection to the understanding at the core of chiropractic. You see, the truth of it is that people change beliefs or learn new beliefs gradually and they learn them based on their experience so you can have the best reported findings in the world but if you don't have that reinforcement over time of a specific efficient structure that allows you to connect and create individualized value on every visit then you're never going to get as good a results so check out the mastering daily interactions website at insideoutpractices.com